Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode of the Thursday Morning Report. This was a project I did a few years back in partnership with Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, where I volunteered as an engineer, host, and producer. Enjoy this one-hour interview program that went out live over the radio on KZYX. If you like what you are hearing, you can check out my current podcast, The Shift with Doug McKenty, on your favorite podcast hosting site, or find out more on Facebook and YouTube at The Shift with Doug McKenty. I'm also on Twitter at McKenty. If you want to support the program, look up The Shift on Patreon, or find it on the web at www.theshiftnow.com and click on subscribe. Subscribers receive access to full-length feature episodes of The Shift, as well as the membership forum, where members can engage in discussions and participate in the evolution of the show. Stay tuned for this episode of the Thursday Morning Report from KZYX Radio in Mendocino County, California. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Thursday Morning Report. Uh, I am your host, Doug McKenty. The time is now 9.01. For the next hour, we'll be speaking with Dwight Johnson of governmentbycontract.com about the concept of panarchy. This is uh, many states in one uh, geographical territory. should be interesting, kind of continuing uh, a theme on the program of exploring uh, alternative political belief systems. He spoke at the Libertopia Conference in Hollywood a few months ago in October. And uh, we'll be talking about panarchy this morning. Let me see if I have him on the line here. Mr. Johnson, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Excellent. Well, this should be a very interesting conversation. I was excited to find uh, find out a little bit of information about panarchy uh, on the Internet a few weeks ago. Uh, I had kind of heard of the concept before, but I didn't really realize that people were uh, actively uh, involved in uh, the movement, if you will. Uh, so will you take a few minutes at first just to describe what panarchy is for our listeners this morning? Okay. Uh, at, at the base of it, panarchy is about the r- human right to choose, and, it, and specifically the right to choose one's government. It was an idea that was put forth initially by a Belgian by the name of Paul-Emile de Puit way back in 1860. Um, that sounds like a long time ago. I guess for uh, most uh, government um, philosophies, that's rather recent. Mm-hmm. And uh, his idea was that within a particular territory, you could choose which type of government you would want, basing that on, you know, the idea that humans have rights to choose. I put it in terms mostly of uh, comparing it to our right uh, to freedom of religion, so that you, as you have a, a right to choose your religion, uh, in the same way you have a right to choose your government. And uh, the implementation of it is where it gets interesting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I had the same thought uh, that it was a kind of a tolerance level. I mean, we live in a society where we're used to fighting amongst each other uh, about our different political beliefs, but we don't, you know, tell people that they shouldn't be a certain religion or or race. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, that's not universal either. Mm -hmm. You know, even now, there are places in the world where uh, freedom of religion is not tolerated, that uh, you could could be put to death for uh, either choosing another religion or... Um, you know, encouraging a person to choose another religion. So, um, <laughs> you know, we have a, an, an interesting situation in the United States. It's probably the first time we've had a free market, so to speak, in religion, where you could choose your religion uh, entirely freely. That they're, you know, in, in much of Europe, they still pay taxes to the government for a state religion. Hmm. We don't have that here. Uh, and, and obviously, you can, you can choose not to have a religion. So I'm, uh, you know, we're looking at the same kind of thing uh, in panarchy, 
where you can choose your government or choose no government at all if you can if you can bear the burden of your uh, responsibility for for those things yourself. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the practical application then. How, uh, in in your vision, how would that come about? Okay, I have uh, uh, my website, Government by Contract, is a particular impl- implementation of Panarchy, and it's it's based in a sense on the government of Switzerland. Uh, in Switzerland, you have a confederation of uh, subord- subordinate territories called cantons, and I borrowed the term canton for the the non-territorial uh, subordinate component of uh, government by contract. And the canton would be, for example, in a municipality comparable to a, a, a political party, so that the members of this canton would be ideologically cohesive. They would have the same ideas about what, what's important to them, what would, and, and basically um, what would they be willing to pay for, what kind of government services would they be willing to pay for. I find that people generally um, think that there are certain government services that are worthwhile, and they also think that there are, are some, maybe many, that are not worthwhile. So they, would, they are willing to you know, dig into their pockets for certain um, government services and not for others. Yeah, this comes to an interesting point about taxation. Uh, there was uh, that article about taxation on your website, and uh, at what point does the government actually have the right to tax you for things that you don't want to pay for? <laughs> yes, uh, the whole idea that the government has a right to tax um, is basically giving them a break that a normal person does not have. If someone comes toward you with a gun and you know demands money from you, that's generally considered theft, whereas when the government does it, it's called taxation, and we say, okay, that's fine. Um, and many people find that, that uh, dichotomy to be a, troublesome. And so that when I, when you're, the, in the article you're referring to on my website, I think, mm-hmm. uh, it refers to taxation as slavery. It's a kind of involuntary servitude if, uh, if what you're being taxed for are not things that you want to... Uh, to pay for. Yeah, I mean, how interesting would it be if, if the state budget was uh, created by everybody filled out a form and they chose exactly how much they wanted to pay for and, and which, you know, which, uh, which things they wanted to, to spend their money on. Right. Now, certainly that would be a very complex thing. Basically, you're talking about, um, you know, every person is his own um, budget master. The, the idea by, you know, behind the canton is to kind of bring that together into a, a considerably larger group of people where together they would determine these are the types of things we would be willing to pay for and not others. And then that group, uh, as a canton, would work with other cantons of, of different ideologies to um, arrange for the government services that they jointly can agree on. So where they, they agree on things, they cooperate. And where they don't mm-hmm. agree on things... They go their own way and do it their own way. Well, that's really, it seems to me, like uh, the separation here. It's a government by cooperation rather than one by coercion. Yes, that's, that's the major division here. Um, because government is, by definition, uh, a monopoly of coercion mm-hmm. in society. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I guess the central question of government is at what point is there, if there ever is, a, a legitimate use of force? And I, I suppose, I mean, one of my issues ideologically with democracy was what about the other 49%? <laughs> you know, if 51% choose to use force against the other 49%, it seems like uh, you might be in, in for some problems, or at least yes. not necessarily my definition of a free society anyway, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, you're basically legitimizing a, a majority rule of, of coercion. So as long as you've got that, you know, one... One more than fifty percent, uh, you you can pretty much do what you want, and that's the situation we have with with uh, with republicanism, uh, the the republican form of government where you have you know elected officials who are basically um, outside your control once they're elected. So I like to refer to it as replacing one set of thieves with another set of thieves. Um, that that's really how I look at the way that government is structured today. Um, there there's very little. That uh, that government will that elected officials will uh, give to to the people as far as uh, uh, their rights to make choices. Yeah, it seems like at a certain point, it just kind of uh, they end up trying to just bring more money into their district so that they can um, get reelected by funneling more money to the right people. Yeah, I mean the the, the impetus is there there always because they're intent is to get reelected and to do that they have to please certain people with other people's money they have to create programs that some voter block is going to be happy with or they have to please the the you know corporate contributors or whatever that contribute to their reelection and you know so it all breaks down you don't get you know a a um, an organization that's going to control costs it's always moving in the wrong direction as far as costs are concerned. How do you see uh, the monetary system working in a panarchy? Do you think that there would be uh, competing currencies? Would the cantons uh, control the currencies? You know, would, they, would, would particular cantons have central banks for their, <laughs> for their constituents? Um, you know, I haven't given that a lot of thought. Mm -hmm. uh, I, my personal preference is that there would be some... some uh, Competition among various types of uh, of uh, currencies. I think that works best. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I can I can imagine that uh, that we would be back in a situation prior to the time in the U.S. where we had national banks, where uh, banks themselves had control of currencies, and you know the the uh, the people would determine which were the the better bets. Right, they would choose the stronger currencies. Exactly. All right. Well, let's get uh, let's get to the question of how. I mean, do you think that it's possible? Could this kind of shift happen overnight, or is there some kind of a, a, a consciousness shift? It seems like so many people are used to the coercion model. In fact, I you know, as I've spoken to some people about it, they simply say this is human nature, and that uh, y you know they almost doubt the fact that human beings can be cooperative together. Yeah, that's that's kind of a sad situation. That in so many other areas of our life, uh, cooperation is the way we we deal with things. But in this one instance, uh, we insist that coercion is the only way that works. Uh, certainly, there's a, a, a certain amount of vested interest in that idea. That uh, in the whole political class uh, feeds on that. That uh, you know, gee, this is this is really the only way to go. 
and if you don't uh, if you don't believe it, then you're out of step with uh, society. So yeah, that's that's a problem. On the other hand, I have to grant the 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 reality of the situation that um, you know if a person is uh, not overly taxed, I don't know who, what persons that would be, but uh, if they're not really feeling the pressure of taxation, they're willing to go along to a great extent because they're willing to. Uh, they they want certain services from government. Mm-hmm. So things you always hear about are the roads or or things like that. You know, how would you manage to have good roads uh, throughout a municipality or throughout a state if you didn't force everyone to contribute? And so there's a certain beauty to this this whole idea of forcing everyone to participate in the thing. But I still find that that. Um, in the end, it, it, it comes down to a, a, a part of society out of sync with human nature in that um, people do not like to be forced. They, they don't like, in, in the end, to be forced. It kind of is contrary to human dignity, and they feel that. And so they react in a couple of different ways. They either react through violence in opposition to it, uh, and I think you saw a little bit of this in the, in the Tea Party movement. There's a certain reaction against being forced to do, to do things. The other side of it, which we also see, is a kind of a pulling back. Uh, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I can't think of the word right now, but just kind of a, a disengagement with society. Mm-hmm. And you'll, you also see that today. Well, that's... These are reactions to, to the kind of violence that coercion is. is. Right. I mean, that's one of my, I just have an interesting concept that I've thought about that it's different uh, when you vote, say, for a welfare system, and then you are coerced through force to pay taxes, and then those taxes go through a bureaucracy, and then they go to help someone versus the act of choosing to help someone yourself without having to have the the middleman. Yes. <laughs> and and is yes. there can the government really produce an act of goodness? I mean, is it altruistic? Do they really care about the poor people? You know, whereas the individual that chooses does no, care and is I, trying to help people. You know. Yes, I would have to say that it, it only extends to the people who actually voted for it the first time. Mm. They were kind of saying, "Well, yes, you know, I'm willing to to pay for this service and to give to the to." people in need. But the, the minority uh, of people who oppose that idea would, would not have contributed to that, to, you know, the good, uh, the, the good that was done. And subsequently, anyone who uh, never had a choice to make in the matter, well, they're just forced to do it. So that whole thing of, of you know, like contributing to paying your taxes to the government to do a good thing for, for another person kind of turns the whole idea of charity on its head. Right. Right, and then the charities are in competition with, with the welfare state. Yes, and then you're, you're dealing with, you know, bureaucracies that really don't have uh, any skin in the game. They're, they're not there to, to do good, but basically to, um, to, to earn an income until they retire with substantial benefits. Well, and the idea behind the panarchy then is that you can choose a political system, essentially. And I kind of I like the way you compare it to political parties. So, if you're a Democrat, you can have a, a dem, you know, a, a 
progressive socialist. If you want to be a Green Party, you know, more progressive socialist kind of economy. Uh, if you want to be a communist, you can live on a commune and, and you can give everything over to the, the central uh, authority. And it's just the ability to be able to, to choose sounds to me like it might produce a situation where uh, the ones that work the best uh, are the ones that are going to become more popular. Yeah, I, I do agree that it's, it's a kind of situation where the cream floats at the top, to use Stuart Brand's uh, term. Um, it, it, the basis of, of panarchy is, is understanding that people are different. You're not going to get everybody to agree on anything. So you have to allow for these these differences, and to and then that's what the you know what the different governments allow to do, or the, or the different cantons in the case of government by contract, mm-hmm. where they acknowledge that people are different, they let them go their own way, and you're right, they kind of in a in a sense uh, compete for who who really can accomplish the most with what they've got. Yeah, well, I, one of the things I like about the system is that it seems to it brings the decision making down to the people. Um, oh. this, this goes back to the, the Declaration of Independence. Right. Um, the, the line there that, that really says it for me is, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. And we've lost that concept of consent. Consent has to be a, an individual thing. Uh, you can't have a group consenting. That's, that's mob. Right, but but the individual you're respecting the individual and, and the and the person that wrote this uh, understood and it was a very common idea at the time that the the individual person has dignity they have natural rights they have you know rights given by by nature and nature's God as they said and so to acknowledge those those rights means that each person has to give consent and that consent has to be explicit today we have governments that are that basically uh, have implied consent. Uh, if you vote, then you give consent. Or if you live somewhere, you give consent. Um, certainly, you know, if you don't agree with the government in your town, you can move. But the place where you move is going to assume that they have the right to tax you and so on, um, just like the, cov- the government where you came from did. Uh, so I think, yes, the, the, this idea of consent is fundamental. And that's where the... the the contract part of government by contract comes in, that within a, uh, a canton, you are contracting with this organization uh, to produce certain services or to work with the government to produce certain services as a group, not as an individual. And you're, but your, your association with them is individual, and it's, it's mutually agreed upon. So it's, it's, you know, it probably would be for a specific amount of time. Uh, it would, it's not, you know, as long as you live here kind of thing, but, but uh, you know, you, your, your contract with them extends for two years or four years or whatever you would agree upon. That seems right to you at the time. So, yes, consensus is vital. Yeah, I, what I was trying to get at earlier, which is a part of that, too, is that I just I feel like the current political system actually divides the people. I mean, even amongst families, some of them are Democrats, some of them are Republican and whatnot, and they're always bickering at each other about who they're going to vote for, and if their party wins, then they're the winner. It, it would just, it almost, um, it, it would amaze me, I think, the power that the people would have if they could choose what political system they wanted to participate in, and then they didn't have to have these squabbles with other people anymore about their political beliefs because, uh, you know, they respected yes. the other person's right to choose. 
Yes, I, I agree that, it, that the current system does not respect people, that you have a winner-take-all situation in every case where the majority takes everything. And so that, that is not respecting the, the minority. The, the situation also comes up in, in, like, libertarian discussions where they are thinking, well, you know, we should secede. Secession is, is considered a, a viable uh, political concept. Yeah, I come people. from Texas, so we talk about that a yeah, lot. okay. <laughs> you, you have the right to secede from the Union and yeah. to create five different states. Yeah. So um, the, the um, secession is, is, you know, to, to some people a good idea, except that you always would have the situation. You, you had it even when the United States seceded from, from uh, England, where you have some people who disagree with that. And um, so, you know, do they not have rights? Uh, you know, Panarchy says, no, every individual has rights. And so it, it, it tries to create a situation where those rights are respected. Yeah, uh, there's a uh, one of the passages that I read over the week was about individualism versus collectivism. Yes. And how the the collective consciousness is kind of you're you're told that you have to be a part of a, a an idea really. Is this is how I think about it. So like the United States of America really is just an idea and then we all feel like we're a part of it and that's why we do what it tells us. But um in in individualism then you know, a person chooses exactly what they want. They, they're dealing in, in the real world, you know, with their work and their life, and they're making choices about themselves. And, they, and that's why I, I think that's, to me, why uh, the individualism works better or freedom works better, because every individual has a different life and a different lifestyle. Yes. And, and, and it puts the responsibility back on the individual. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're at the point now where less and less responsibility goes to the individual, more and more to some, you know, idea, as you put it. Right. You know, and then so you, you lose that, that individual responsibility for doing good things. You become less responsive. You become less generous. And, uh, and certainly you, you, you lose all the good things that come from being able to act as an individual, act in, you know, in charitable or, or uh, patriotic or whatever way you, you, you want. You lose that. Yeah, that's one of the, uh, again, uh, talking about the welfare state, but one of the things uh, that I've noticed now, especially in this day and age where, you know, every time you give to a charity, then you get a tax break, that nobody, you you can't even be altruistic if you try. Everybody just (laughs) presumes that you're doing everything because you're greedy, you know, and it's like, well, gosh, even even a good person doesn't get, (laughs) Uh because I think because you're right, because so many people really, they're not choosing, they're not making the choices for themselves. Uh, there's a lot of uh, just an interesting conversation there about how to make a, a virtuous human being. Really, I mean, once you don't make choices for yourselves, then how, then you you really can't be a, a good person. Yes, the government by co- by coercion tends to diminish the humanity right. of the people who belong to it. That's that's probably one of the saddest things about the whole thing that you you only become a full human being by acting as a human being, and that means having the ability to make choices. Yeah. Good and bad. So the whole idea of government by coercion kind of goes against creating full human beings. It creates um, drones of, of human beings rather than real active acting human beings. 
Yeah, um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, too, was uh, I did a show here uh, about a, a philosophy book a few months back called The Virtue of Ignorance. One of the things that, that kind of caught me, uh, somebody asked you uh, to produce a detailed plan of exactly how uh, this panarchistic movement would work out, and, and you were actually willing to say, well, well I don't know. <laughs> yes, I, I really don't. I mean, I, I have a glimpse at what are, what are the possibilities, but I honestly don't know if human society is up to it at this point. Um, this this may, may be a kind of thing that takes a couple hundred years for people to actually get a grasp of. Right. So I, I have no, made, you know, no grand plans. Um, I'm just trying to put out there uh, as much as possible what I think are the important things. Um, you know, fundamentally for me, panarchy is a moral thing. It, it's, it's not a political philosophy so much as an acknowledgement that human beings have rights, including the rights to choose government. And so it's, for me, it's very much a moral thing rather than a political thing. Uh, I really despise politics. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this was uh, another, this brings up another point I wanted to bring up um, about, uh, I guess, uh, the kind of person, there, there have only been a few people that I've met, I think, in my whole life that was willing to place their belief in freedom above and beyond their own personal point of view. You know, so many people want to argue their point of view and, and try to convince you to be like them. And, and it does take a different kind of person to say, uh, you know, I believe in freedom more than I believe in my own point of view. So, therefore, you, you know, I respect your choices, too, even though they're different than mine. Well, I'll be completely immodest here and say that I think, <laughs> uh, fundamentally, you have to have a certain amount of humility mm -hmm. to do that. And so, uh, unfortunately, humility is not a, a, a popular thing these days. Right. Everybody wants to be the best and the biggest and the brightest and all the rest of it. So uh, humility doesn't figure into the uh, virtue today. Yeah, that's a part of the the competitive model instead of the cooperative <laughs> model, like we're taught. You know. Yes. Which is but probably. Unfortunately, I have many friends who have opposing points of view, and uh, we have discussions about things. And you know, I, I I understand where they are, and I understand, and they understand where I am, and so we get along. But but it does show you that you know people hold their points of view very, very deeply and strongly, which is why, you know, panarchy, I think, has, has not been kind of a, uh, a, a, a well-known thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, after 100, uh, you know, since 1860, you would think that the idea would have begotten, gotten more, uh, more press or whatever, but it certainly has not. And um, so people hold very strongly to, to uh, what, what their beliefs are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of your beliefs, we're getting about halfway into the program, and uh, so we're about to uh, start taking call-ins. If you have a question for our guests, you're listening to the Thursday Morning Report right here on KZYX. I'm your host, Doug McKenty. I'm speaking this morning with Dwight Johnson of governmentbycontract.com. We're talking about uh, the political concept of panarchy that is many governments inside one geographical territory. So if you have a question, please call up 895-2448. gets you in the studio. So uh, what do you think, do you think, I guess it would probably take this kind of a social change into being more, more of a cooperative form of consciousness because, you know, what would prevent this from, from turning into almost a feudal state where the different, uh, the different cantons want to fight each other? You, you know, I mean, what, where, at what, why wouldn't it devolve into different little protection rackets instead of one big one, you know what I'm saying? Yes, 
Yes, and I can ser- certainly understand that, that that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, though, that feud- feud- the feudal state came out of a certain history, um, and we're not there at this point. We, we do have the Declaration of Independence. We do have some uh, idea of what's, what we want and, and what we don't want. We have, as a, as a nation, a very good idea or a very strong feeling that we are a free people whatever that means to each of us individually. And, and we've kind of grown up with this background of freedom that I think would push back against uh, tyranny, even at a, at a lower level. Um, and if, you, if you're building something where you're, you're saying you're, you're attempting to build something based on cooperation and not coercion, um, I think that has an effect on what actually gets built out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, we do have a caller calling in, so let's see what the people have to say here. Uh, good morning. You're on KZYX. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Yeah, I think the major problem is that capitalism and communism and all of it are they're, they're patriarchal structures based on might makes right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you this is supposed to be a free country, quote-unquote, but, you know, if you don't pay your taxes, they take your house and kick you out into the snow or put you in jail. And also, the very nature of a patriarchy is competition, and so the government has to keep us fighting with each other by, you know, making us envious of other people, different races, different, you know, sex codes for different genders, etc. And they encourage greed and selfishness, because every person's got to have their car, every person needs a washing machine, every person has their refrigerator, they're keeping us little, like, atomized units so my theory would be to change the nonprofit law to where each person as an individual could become a nonprofit. And if you help the guy next door pay to fix his engine in this car so he can get to work, you write that off. And then that would have the effect of you becoming friends with your neighbor. And, you know, at first it's like paying to get altruism jump-started. But once people get in the habit of relying on each other and their local neighbors to help each other, I think the feeling of compassion would kick in instead of us being in, a, in our little mini fiefdoms in our separate little houses. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, I suppose the guy next door couldn't pay his rent, so you gave him $500, and then you write that off on your taxes, and then you divert that money from the war machine. So that was my theory. Thanks. Yeah, maybe so. Thanks for the idea. Um, I would certainly agree with the caller that uh, government does like us at each, each other's throats. Uh, and certainly the, the political system uh, with, the, with the various parties uh, encourages that. And we, we really do see each other as uh, the enemy camp. And one of the things that Panarchy would try to do is to, um, because it's, it acknowledges the differences, but it also at the same time encourages cooperative action. So where we agree on things and, it's, and we're looking for the agreement uh, among us, ourselves, about what we do agree on, and then we work together. And so I think that is somewhat different. It's not exactly the same thing as um, nonpartisanship. I think that's a, uh, a kind of a dead end where uh, you're hoping that uh, people are going to put their own personal preferences aside. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real uh, mutuality, real, real, real cooperation based on shared values. And there are some shared values. I think that 
that most people do share some some set of, of values, and they can work together on those. And that and that's where you have uh, the possibility for joint action. Yeah, I, I kind of uh, remember the 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 original concept of the corporation here before it was a huge state subsidied. Uh, you know, way to control resources, I think. Uh, it was actually a way for people to get together to do big public works, like building the roads or building a bridge. And it would be a, maybe a, a format, instead of having the corporations work the way they do now, as a way of having the cantons work together between each other, mm -hmm. in a way. I, just another possibility, though, like you, you were saying, uh, you never know uh, where it will evolve to or how the spirit of, of uh, cooperativity could work. Yes, an optimistic person would say, well, the best of people will come out if, if you uh, allow it to. Um, and coercion doesn't allow it to. So uh, you're kind of squelching any individual activity because there is a monopoly, the government, that basically says, we are in charge of everything and you're not. Um, if, you, if you get away from that idea of the government being a monopoly and you break it up so that you have... You, you require that things get done through cooperation, then I think you have a chance for people's best sides to come out. Mm -hmm. Well, we have another call coming in, so uh, good morning. You're on the Thursday Morning Report. Hi, this is all very nice in theory, but um, can you explain to me how it would work in practice? And I'll give you a practical example. Roads. <laughs> um, half, you know, two-thirds of the people go, oh, yeah, I need a road. I'm willing to pay for it. Um, and the other third say, I don't want to pay for roads. Um, I don't want to pay for anything or whatever they say. I'm not going to pay for it. So the two-thirds of the people collect the money. They build the road. Does that, does that mean that the other third can't use the road? And if the other third can use the if they can't, how do you enforce that? If the other third can, um, do you charge them? Do you give it to them? I mean, that's just one example. I think that that example can, can be extended to apply to a lot of other things, and I'll take my answer on the air. All right. Thanks for the call. Yes, that's certainly one of the, the, the kinds of, obje of objections to it that I, I get frequently. Mm -hmm. uh, road seems to be the first thing that comes to people's mind when they say, well, we have to have government to keep the roads working. And uh, first of all, it's probably not true that there are many, many um, people, in theory, who have developed uh, ways in which roads can be privately owned and very successful. Uh, if, for example, if uh, all the people that border, own property bordering a road, own that road, uh, and especially if the situation was that they were commercial uh, enterprises, uh, their, their idea of getting people to their, their place of business would compel them to make sure that those roads are passable. Uh, I have a situation in my own family where my father and mother live on a private road. They share the, the, the road with uh, four other families. And uh, so they determine when it needs to be repaired, and they chip in proportionally to make sure that the road is passable. So, uh, you know, I've seen from my own family that um, ownership, private ownership of roads is, is a doable thing. Um, we, we tend, I think, often to a lack imagination. We say, well, we, we see an objection, and that's where we end. We don't, 
say, you know, this, this might be a problem, but there are things that are more important, such as my right to choose, my right to be a full human being, making choices, having responsibility. These are the things that really matter. If we have that, then we can, we're, we're very uh, creative people. We can come up with ways to make it work. Um, one of the things I have on my car is, is the easy pass thing. I go over bridges without paying because it, it collects the toll. Um, it knows who I am. It, it, you know, it, it, the, the, the thing works. Uh, I don't see why some, some, some clever device like that could work on, on every road in the town. Mm-hmm. And then just the people that use the roads would pay for them, too. Maybe a third of the people don't have cars and yes. <laughs> would rather not pay. And, and they would be charged proportionally to their use, and then the roads would get repaired, you know, be well-maintained, mm-hmm. and everyone would be happy. And no one would be forced to pay for something they don't really care about. All right, I have another call here. Let's see where this will take us. Good morning. You're on KZYX. you have a question? Uh, well, I have a comment okay. for, for sure uh, about the roads. It's an interesting topic. I lived on a privately owned road for about 25 years, and I can tell you that people don't pay who do use it, and that the uh, condition of the roads deteriorates. And a road is just kind of an analogy, I guess, for other things as well. Uh, your guest mentioned uh, people cooperating and uh, intimated, you know, using good sense and so forth and community and there are many people who just don't do that um they and as far as some people don't use the roads therefore they shouldn't pay everybody uses the roads even if they never get in a vehicle because their uh things that they use are delivered using the roads so um using the road as an analogy uh, there are services and, and things that are, that are used in a society, and unless you're a hermit and uh, live, in a, live on your own place and never go out and n- never socialize with anyone else, we all commonly use things. So uh, there have been many different systems, of course, to how to keep things that we all use in common, maintain communism, which doesn't work, and uh, various other things. Uh, so I don't know that just saying, I, I don't feel like I use that, therefore I'm not going to contribute anything. Everything doesn't have to be money either. You know, there are other ways to contribute besides money. Anyway, that's my comment. Thank you so much for a very interesting show. All right, you bet. Thanks for the call. Um, uh, the roads. The roads are the big analogy, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> uh, and he's right that everyone does use the roads in a an indirect way, because things are delivered, but the people who actually use the roads directly would uh, understand that they are using them and would be willing to pay for them, because uh, if, if the roads are not well-maintained, they're going to be uh, jostled and, and bumped and um, just downright unhappy about it. Now, as far as his situation, the, the private roads concerned, uh, the you know, they, they may have decided that they don't want to fix the roads because there are children um, living on that street and they, they would rather not have people uh, going fast through their, their particular neighborhood, and that's an understandable thing. Um, the roads that most people take are, are public roads uh, that are, 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 you know, get them to stores and restaurants and so on, and the, the businesses would tend to look after those 
roads as much as, as they look after their own buildings. Well, we have another call. Uh, let me give out the number one more time, 895-2448. If you want to get into the studio, we're talking about Panarchy with Dwight Johnson of governmentbycontract.com. Still about 20 minutes left in the program if you want to get in, and I'll take this call here. Good morning. You're on the Thursday morning report. Hi, good morning. Hi. Do you have a question? Uh, well, I kind of have a comment. Okay, let's hear it. Um, monetary system needs to be changed with that. You know, we keep talking about pay, 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 you know, and obviously we're talking dollars there. Mm-hmm. So we need to change the monetary system. As a matter of fact, we should do it right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for example, no, serious, we have here, we, we keep talking about this pop economy, the economy and how it's going down the drain and all that stuff. Why should, like, for example, everything that we do here be bound to the dollar? Right. I, I don't think that we were necessarily, or that our guest was trying to imply that. I mean, it could be any kind of barter. And in fact, exactly. Yeah, yeah. In any, any kind of cooperative agreement, what, what, what I would call an open monetary system, where there is no there is no one valuta that 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 dictates what the value of everything else is. Right. Well, we did discuss that earlier in the program about uh, the po- the probability that there would just be uh, a, a variety of different currencies, not one uh, of the cantons in this uh, panarchist. Uh, model would have a monopoly. There wouldn't be legal tender laws. So without a monopoly over a currency, there wouldn't be a, a fiat currency system, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Well, all right. Um, thanks thanks a lot for your comment. That, we can implement that today if we want to. We can get together instead of like spending time or like wasting time on worrying about the economy, is create our own. We're already, already doing it. Yes, I'm, I'm actually familiar with some groups that are doing that right now. Uh, that have a kind of coin barter system where they purchase uh, shares of coins and use them lo- in a local economy. And so, yes, you're right that, that, that uh, we could do it today, and many people are doing it today. Uh, and I think it's a good thing. I, I agree with you in, uh, entirely on that. Good. Well, let's get together over the Internet, in, in, because even though the Internet is just like global, we can still use it to get together locally and do that. Yes. There you go. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the call. Bye-bye. Take care. Sorry. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a good comment. Uh, yes, I, I had, there was a, someone who posted recently on, on that, uh, my blog, and they were a member of a group that does that in the, I believe, Virginia area. And I, I'm familiar with another group. Um, she was actually uh, um, a, a, um, not a sponsor, but she, was, she had a, a table at the uh, Libertopia uh, show a uh, convention where I was speaking in October, mm-hmm. and uh, she's up somewhere in uh, in Pennsylvania, and does the same kind of thing where they have a local uh, coinage. It's not dollars, um, and it, but it's a you know it's a, a recognized value of silver, I believe, and they exchange it with in you know within their community, and uh, it's it becomes a very effective uh, money for them. Well, we have another call coming in, so let's hear uh, let's hear what the people have to say. Uh, good morning. You're on KZYX. 
Hi, good morning. Very interesting show. Thanks. Um, I wanted to mention when I was a kid, it's interesting with the name of Canton. We used to have what was a colony of 11 houses. It was called a canton, hmm. which in French, you know, it was called a canton. And it was a very, you know, everybody knew everybody, of course. We had a public well, so we used to cross everybody else's property to go to the public well. We um, all maintained some private road that went into the area. Um, now there's running water and all of that, but it's still a very close uh, community. But it was a very, you know, community-oriented, um, society that we lived in when I was a kid, and, you know, we would share a lot of different things, and that was the way, you know, it was just part of how we grew up. It was just a normal thing. Nice. So, this was in France? I actually know. This was up in northern Maine. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Well, and, but in northern Maine, you do have a lot of French-speaking people. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, and especially back, you know, back in the 50s, uh, there still were a lot of people who spoke French. So, um, And we, now I live uh, in the county of Lake, and we we live on a private road with several people. And my husband has a backhoe, and so he maintains the road. It's a gravel road, and there's a portion of it that is asphalt, and it needed to be repaired. And so everybody got together and put in you know, money to repair it. There was one person who couldn't afford it at the time but made payments and then eventually over, you know, several months had paid his portion. Um, I think he was kind of embarrassed initially that he was the only one who didn't put in everything. But Shame is um, can, can be a good thing, actually. Hmm. Pardon me? Shame can be a good thing sometimes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it was <laughs> in the situation because everybody else, you know, uh, put up because they we all use the road. It's a private road, so um, but it seemed to work out okay. So those are experiences that I have had. I think in the larger society, I think you're right. Government pits us against each other, and that makes it harder to be able to work together. Unfortunately, but hopefully, maybe a new day will dawn. I think it's starting slowly. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, with we have, you know, the CSAs and we have community food banks and all those things that are starting community gardens. So, yeah, maybe, hopefully, but very interesting show. Thank you. All right, thanks for the call. Okay, bye. Bye. That, that was a very interesting call because she yeah. points out how the really the best parts of, of, of uh, life are when people get together voluntarily and do great things. And we have a lot of examples of that in, in our country, but we have fewer and fewer of them because the government keeps taking more and more of that to itself. Um, we, we just had a, a fairly large snowstorm. In, uh, I'm in New Jersey, and uh, <laughs> some people have snowblowers, some people don't. The neighbors get together, and then they shovel themselves out, and they shovel out the neighbors, and there's a lot of, uh, of cooperation going on. And uh, that's really, you know, the best part of life is, is when people um, can, can deal with one another in, in that very expressive way. Um, uh, it's a great thing. I'd like to see it expand, uh, you know, geometrically. <laughs> and I think that's what the, the cantons and the government by contract can, can accomplish. All right, we got about 11 minutes left in the program. 895-2448 gets you in the studio with our guest. You're listening to KZYX. This is the Thursday Morning Report. I'm your host, Doug McKenty. I'm speaking with Dwight Johnson this morning. 
of uh, governmentbycontract.com. We're talking about panarchy. I do have a call coming in, so we'll take another one here. Uh, good morning. You're on the Thursday morning report. I just wanted to say, um, how about like the dysfunctional people that do not cooperate and um, they don't have the sense of logic to do the share and, and they're on SSI and they can't be made to uh, pay their portions. That, I'll take my answer on the air. Okay, thanks for the call. Yeah, um, in, in society, I think there is a role for, uh, for coercion, but it's far more limited than what we have now. And it really should be limited to um, actions against people who use force against others or against other people's persons or properties. Um, you, you're going to have, in any society, some people that you, uh, as you refer to them, uh, are dysfunctional. They, 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 they're not good, good members of society. Uh, that's, that's kind of a given. And you do have to deal with those types of people. Mm-hmm. And you do have to deal with them in, in, on occasion with force. But if you extend force or coercion beyond that very narrow thing, where you're forcing people to do all kinds of things that really they do not want to do, if you're forcing people based on a majority to go to war with uh, a third world country, uh, that kind of thing, then, then that's, that's, um, that's really horrible. That's really contrary to the dignity of human persons. Uh, people should not be forced to do that, that type of thing. So I think there's a, there's a role for coercion in, 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 in society, but it's a really very small, restricted one, dealing with the, the type of people you're referring to. Uh, and secondly, I think that when you have government by coercion, you're actually generating those kinds of people. You're creating dysfunctional human beings because you're treating them like slaves. You're treating them um, harshly. Yeah, people and become they unhappy. they react against that. Mm-hmm. So you're, create, you're actually creating the dysfunction, the dysfunction in people through the coercion of government. Right. I mean, the idea is that if you give people freedom and they have the right to choose for themselves, then there would be more happy people uh, yes. that want to be functional because they, they don't feel like they're being oppressed. Exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly right. Yes. <laughs> cool. Well, we've got a few more calls coming in in just a few minutes left, so I'll take another one here. Uh, good morning. You're on KZYX. Yeah, I was wondering, <clears throat> ask your guest about national parks and things that we as a nation hold and trust together. You know, Yosemite, what if the Yosemite Canton goes nutso and decides, oh, we're going to strip mine Half Dome, and, uh, you know, how national parks are affected by cantons. And also, different cantons, would they be able to have their own passports? So then we'd require, you know, passports to travel across other people's collectively held cantons. Interesting question. Yeah, thanks. Okay, thanks. Um, uh, I, 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 I don't know. I don't have all the answers to these very difficult questions. Um, my, my hope is that people would, uh, for example, to, 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 um, to answer his first question about national parks and, and so on, um, that there would be people who would join together to do those things, to, to support uh, preserving important things like that. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, you might imagine the Green Party would buy Yosemite because yes. it wants to preserve it, and then pe- members of the Green Party Canton could go there for free, and then everybody else that wanted to enjoy it had to pay, and that would help to fund the Green Party, for example. Exactly. You know, something and like that could happen. Not ju- yes, exactly. Um, and as far as you know, you know, people cooperating, uh, passports are you know may or may not be necessary in that kind of a situation where you you have a recognition of you know who these people are and and um, you know that that they are part of your own basic family of of humanity. Yeah, I mean one of the I think one of the things I read I read the uh, Emile de Pudit. Is that how you pronounce that name? I believe so. Paul uh, Emile de de Puit. De Puit. Uh, I think one of the things he said was emigration uh, without movement. Like you, you know, you can move from country to country and still live in your house by just choosing to join the different government. <laughs> and I thought that was a great way to put it. Uh, so he, I don't think he would think that passports would be necessary. When you're you're not dealing with so much force, people tend to be more cooperative. So I, I would say that there's less of a need to um, to have a passport uh, for every person. But you would still need to be able to, you know, uh, identify people and, and, and have some confidence, you know, in who they are, where they came from, that kind of thing. Right. I have one more call I think I'm going to take, and then we'll have to wrap it up here. Good morning. You're on the Thursday Morning Report. Just a few minutes left in the show. Okay. Good morning. Um, I certainly uh, agree, and I'm glad to hear the the concepts that your uh, guest puts out on anarchy and, and by and large, uh, you know, in support. There, were, there was one thing that he said and one thing a caller said that I think really we have to rethink. Uh, he said shame sometimes serves. And I just want to put out that shame does not serve. It, it creates a feeling of, uh, you know, uh, in you know, incompetency, a further incompetency to whatever other incompetencies might be there. Shame does not serve as a motivator, uh, but is quite the opposite and is along the same lines as uh, force. And that so that one of the callers said mentioned SSI as people who are not doing their part. And in society or in the service of these various functions, we need to, you know, roads, whatever. And uh, I just want to point out that SSI is not a, 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 does not mean that people are not doing their part. And, in fact, I think one of the problems in this discussion is that we often uh, think that the most pragmatic and physical of things that are done to create the whole society and sustain it are the only important things that are can be done or are of value. And there are many, many services that happen on the less pragmatic and invisible plane in this society that hold things up. And I think it's, it's a real problem when uh, people say, that, you know, if you can't pay for the road or the whatever, let's use it as a metaphor, mm-hmm. um, then you're not doing your part and you're uh, shameful. <laughs> you, know, so you should be ashamed <laughs> of yourself and that you're not functioning, that that really doesn't serve. And, of course, I know that this guest does believe that, you know, like a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down and that right. there are often contributions that are less 
intangible, and sometimes people just can't do things, or they're disabled, or they're elderly, or uh, sick, or um, dysfunctional in some way. And those things often uh, just give uh, others the opportunity to be gracious. And in when I was a child, we were taught to serve our uh, family, our community, and our elders. And I'm afraid that that doesn't happen in the society, and I'd love to see us encourage more of it. So thank you very much. All right. Thank you for the call. Yeah, as... Um uh, as I as I said, there are a lot of the things that should be happening in society are not being happen, are not happening in society because government does tend to monopolize. It 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 tries to acquire inquire more things to itself, um, and because you know the whole political thing, the political uh, functionality in, in in government tries to 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 ever increase you know what government does for people. And it gives us less and less to do, and I think that's that's a mistake. Um, so I would agree with her on that. As far as shame is concerned, I, I have to disagree with her. I understand what she's saying, but there and, and I don't know what the SSI is, um, but I, I, I'm gathering that it has to do with some people that that should not be ashamed of, of not being able to contribute. Mm-hmm. But uh, there are certain things that people do that they should be ashamed of, and when you you know if if you bring it to to light. Then um, uh, they, should, they certainly should be. Uh, they should feel shame for doing things they they should they they haven't done or and should do, or that have they have done and shouldn't have done. Right. Well, the the show on the difference between shame and guilt is a whole other program. Yes. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, you've got about thirty seconds left. Can you really quickly uh, maybe tell people uh, where to go if they want to find out more about how to start a Canton? Yes. Uh, the website is governmentbycontract.com. Um, if they want to learn more about uh, panarchy uh, in general, it's panarchy.org. There's a great fellow from Switzerland who maintains that site, uh, and it's, it's, he's very thorough. There's tons of stuff there about panarchy. But, uh, but the, the particular stuff about cantons is on the government by contract site, so you can go there and uh, contact me or... Uh, Participate in the blog and uh, learn, learn and contribute. All right, very good, Dwight Johnson. Thank you very much for being on the program. I've had a great time. Thank you. Yeah, me too. A great conversation. Okay, there you go, and that was the Thursday morning report for December thirtieth. You've been listening right here on KZYX ninety point seven FM Philo, KZYZ ninety one point five FM Willington, Ukiah eighty eight point one FM Fort Bragg. Uh, This is Mendocino County Public Broadcasting listener-supported community radio streaming on the web at kzyx.org.